The rules of retail are changing. One by one, corporate retailers are closing their doors and some call it the death of retail. But those rules never apply to independent retailers like us. We're writing our own rules. We're here to answer the questions about how to grow your business, stay competitive, and still have a life. I'm Josh Orr, and this is the Retail Initiative Podcast. Hey, thank you for joining me for today's episode of Retail Initiative. I am super excited. I have a very, very special guest and friend, Janine Mix. Hey, Janine, how are you? Hi, Josh. It's good to be here, be back. It's um, Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Good. Yeah. And if you haven't caught, Janine and I did an episode like in season one forever ago. Honestly, it's an amazing episode. We, we dive into how to increase sales without increasing foot traffic. Um, it definitely is one that I would go back and listen to. But if you've not met Janine, Janine is the founder of The Complete Boutique, a retail consultant, real estate investor, generally just a badass business owner. And I love all the things that you're doing. Um, Janine, what I would love to talk about today is money. Um, yes. It's something I know that you are super passionate about. And, um, you know, one of the things that I find in the retail world, especially like I work a lot with women's apparel in that world, is that our backgrounds shape so much of our beliefs about money and that in turn impacts our business. Like, what do you... I, this is something you talk about all the time. I guess like what got you into that space and why did you become so passionate about money in yes, general? I, I love it. talking about money more than any topic. I would say it's like, it's like money than retail, <laughs> retail sales. Those are my two passions. And the reason why I love to talk about money is it, it's because it's like this thing that people don't talk about. You know, people talk about sex and religion, but they don't talk about money. And I would like to break that. I think it's important that we have good discussions around money, not just in our life, but in our business, with our partnerships, with our marriages, like this is a number one reason why people get divorced. I think it's one of the number one reasons why people close their doors is because they don't talk about the money. They don't have real honest conversations. And the, the other reason I'm really passionate about this for, for two reasons, especially in the women's market <laughs> is we're just told like, cut up your coffee, stop buying stuff. And one day you'll be rich. And I just really hate that narrative. Um, that narrative has been around way too long and I'm kind of tired of it. I'm like, I would love to see a book written for male investors that says, just cut out your golf membership and stop drinking beer and you'll become a millionaire. It doesn't exist. And so I would like to stop the shaming and guilt around money and women and, and spending money. And that if we just, this false narrative and idea that if we just cut out our coffee, we'll be rich. Well, cutting out your coffee might be a temporary strategy to, you know, secure your financial situation, whatever you're in. It is not how you build wealth. You cannot cut your way to wealth. You have to invest. Mm -hmm. And that's the bigger conversation that I like having around money is like, okay, well, what, what type of investing and how do you invest? And I really, truly believe there are two, two of the quickest ways to wealth and financial freedom, which again, uh, another misbelief too is financial freedom is defined by you. I really don't like this idea that financial freedom is if you're debt free, you don't drink any coffee, you never travel until you're retired and have cash, like you don't have any credit cards, that's financial freedom. Well, I can tell you right now, I have millions of dollars worth of real estate debt. Um, I am a multimillionaire. I have business. I have credit cards. I just saved $12,000 on a flight using credit card points and paying zero credit card interest on that. 
Um, so I love playing the world's game of debt. And that is my version of financial freedom. To me, I had to rewrite that entire thing. It was no longer like I have to be debt free to be financially free. So I really want to empower people that they get to define what their version of financial freedom is. And the two quickest ways to your version, any version of financial freedom are through a business that you can generate income and through investing. So that's, that's really like the path for me. Um, and what I'm so passionate about, why I've been working with retailers to increase their cash flow and their business and increase sales, thinking about increasing sales, um, so that you can increase the income that then you can go and invest for your future. I love it. Yeah. So if you haven't caught on, uh, this may be an episode, go grab a notepad and a pen. Uh, you'll want to come back because there's going to be so many of these nuggets. Um, but something I want to address because like my background, so I went from politics to the nonprofit world and all that stuff. And I remember when I first started my business, like, it wasn't about money. Like I wanted to make a living, but I would not have told you that it was about money. Like, honestly, I probably even have like beliefs that would say that to a degree, like being rich was bad mm -hmm. to that person. That's like, okay, money, I get it. It's important. I need to make sure that I'm profitable, but I'm not in this for money. I'm in this for impact, making a difference in the community, their team, um, whatever that may be. Like, what do you say to that person who isn't in it for the money? Because I think that's more common than people acknowledge. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I hear that all the time. Well, I'm not in it for the money. You know, I'm just doing this business. I'm not in it for the money. If you're not in it for the money, you should be a nonprofit. But I have news for you. Even nonprofits need money. So every mission needs money. Remember that every mission needs money. And it requires us to be a really good steward of it. And I think often we get stuck in this narrative of, um, well, money is wrong. Money is bad. It's not supposed to be desired. I'm not supposed to want it. If I want it, I'm greedy. If I make it, I'm taking away from someone else. So there's a lot of common beliefs that we've all heard. And I think that are perpetuated in society and are perpetuated by our parents and their money story and their limited beliefs. So it really comes down to two things, scarcity or abundance. Um, scarcity mindset would say, there is a limited amount of resources. If I make more money, I take from other people. And, you know, I, I just have this limited amount that I have to manage and there's never going to be more to me. Abundance would say there's infinite amount of money. And to be honest, look at our government. They're printing tons of it right now. So in, in many senses, it is infinite. It is an infinite resource, but it's just that it's just a resource. It's just a tool. It's not everything. It's not you know, I think that it becomes the byproduct of your of your efforts and your works and how you serve and love your customer. It becomes this byproduct, but it's it's an incredibly important byproduct in our world. We all work for it. We all have to pay and live using money. If you want to give back and be generous, how do you do that? You can do that with some of your time. Yes. But what do these nonprofits always ask for? What are their banquets for? What are their silent auctions for? It's for the dollars. And what's really cool, I work very closely with a counter human trafficking organization. And what's really cool is to see their perspective of a profitable nonprofit and how we can hire one uh, full-time job at $35,000 for an analysis person to go and find traffickers online. And that can save thousands of women from human trafficking. And all that requires is training someone for $35,000 
to save thousands of women. So, you know, that's how you can equate this, this tool, this resource is a valuable one that can is pretty useful on earth. And if we can become really good stewards of that, grow our financial confidence in that, what could we do with that? And to the same standpoint of money's evil and people who have it, rich people are greedy and whatever. Um, I would say that if there's more money in the hands of more generous, good people, isn't that a good thing? So how do we get there? How do we get to um, that place where we can actually have an abundance, an overflowing cup in our business, where we can give back to causes that we love? We can, you know, hire employees, create full-time jobs, really actually impact people with this resource. And I would say also that for most people who have that mindset of like, well, if I have money, am I going to be greedy one day? I always say like greedy people don't think like that. Greedy people don't ask, am I going to be greedy if I have it? (laughs) So you're probably a pretty good person with a good conscience and you'll be fine when you have more money. But I would say that that's coming from a money story, a narrative, a belief around money that you have had instilled. Most of us have had really painful times with money. I mean, I'm same thing. I came from no money. In fact, that any extra money we had in our family came from my dad's illegal drug dealing. Like that's how, what I learned about money, right? Like I actually was his drug mule. You may not know this story about me, but my dad grew marijuana before it was legal. And he, before 9-11, before all the security at the airports, he would hide his marijuana on me when we travel. Isn't that crazy? Like I should have been taken away from my parents. No, I love them. Um, but that's crazy to me. So like, that was the level that I grew up. I didn't have neighbors. We didn't have money. Um, working class family, you work hard. What I grew up learning about money was you just have to work hard, work hard until you die. And I saw like a lot of unhappiness there, a lot of struggle there. And I think that what we see and what we learn from our parents in that money story, where that money story gets formed at a very young age, absolutely impacts our financial position every single day, decisions that we make, behavior around money, as well as, um, you know, our new relationships with other people and money. And significantly, I know you work with a lot of retailers in their business, it will affect this money story comes up and creeps up uh, a lot faster than you think and a lot more often than you think. So it's a, it's a really important one to rewrite. Absolutely. I remember, so I grew up, I don't I haven't shared a lot of this. I grew up with a single mom. She had me in college uh, and we were like poor, like actual poor. Like I was the kid that grew up with like Payless shoes. And I don't mean the dress shoes. Like we all got grew up with like our dress shoes from Payless. But like I didn't have Nikes or any of that as a kid. And I it's dumb that that's my example, but it is what it is. But I remember whenever I would make a friend whose parents were were better off, I remember being in the car and mentioning, oh my gosh, like Johnny has a Nintendo 64. It's so cool. And my mom's response was, well, we don't know how much debt they're in. Mm. There was this idea of they have success. They have whatever the thing is. And it immediately was knocked down with the assumption that they really weren't as successful. Um, And so I, I grew up in that scarcity mindset and it was crazy. Like once I learned, I forget where, it probably was Napoleon Hill from Think and Grow Rich. Um, But the idea like money flows freely and easily to me, and there's more of it than I could ever spend. Mm -hmm. And once I adopted that mindset, it was crazy what my life was able to do. Um, And to hit on what you said, because I think it's so good, is this idea of like, am I going to be greedy? And 
like for those listening, I, I hope that you can be encouraged that money is a completely neutral thing. It is not good, it's not bad. But just its existence is completely neutral. And so it is not that having money is bad and not having money is good or or vice versa. It's really like, I don't know, but like the thing that I've noticed is like money just magnifies whoever you are, who, who you are deep down. Generous people are generous. When they make $16,000 a year, guess what? They give as much as they can away. And when they make $16 million a year, guess what? They give a ton of it away. And greedy people, greedy yeah. people are making 16K a year and say, I can't do anything because I only make 16K a year. But that excuse doesn't go away once you make 16 million. Yeah. Yep. And so it, I'm sorry. I love that, that it magnifies who you already are. I, I totally agree with that. And money is amoral. It doesn't have feelings. It's not right. It's not wrong. It doesn't, you know, the only feelings we give money are the ones that we put on it. The only, um, you know, angst. Uh, okay. I was six figures in debt and now I'm a seven figure entrepreneur. That six figures of debt weighed on my heart so heavy. I felt like such a failure and it was student loan debt. I felt like such a failure and who'd want to marry me with this debt. And like, I just like let this dictate my life for so long, but guess what? That money I used to get an ed education that I still use some of those things today. Um, I would have made wiser decisions with um, what school I went to and things if I had a, a better um, advisor, my parents were like, go to the best school, get the best degree, but we're not going to pay for it. Just take a loan. <laughs> that's, that's the advice I got. Um, I'm like, no, I definitely would have made some different decisions, but, um, you know, I used, ultimately I used that education to get where I am today. I used, I learned, I grew from that, right? Like I'm getting something from that debt and there's nothing wrong with me because of money. Like I'm not a bad person. I don't, I can still live my life, but I would, the, the amount of tears, the endless tears, I would cry over this debt was sad to me that I gave this money so much control over my life and fear and like, you know, belief around who I was to this tool, <laughs> this tool that has no feelings. It's not moral. It's like amoral. It, it has no feelings. And so like the only the only thing that we can control, like you, like you're saying, um, is how we make that money make us feel. How we have that money um, dictate our decisions. You know, the emotional response we have when we have it or we don't have it. Yeah, that's good. So, how would you say, like, if someone's listening to this, this and they're like, "Man, I do have weird ideas around money. Like, I, I have thought it was evil or whatever." Um, like, what would you say is that first step that someone could take to kind of begin to rewrite that story? Yeah. So I call it the mix shift method. <laughs> it's my name, M-I-X. So the first thing you have to do is identify oh. the message. What is the message that you are telling yourself or that you believe? So the message is, I've heard this. How many times have you heard this, Josh, with retailers? I'm not good with numbers. So that's oh the message. I myself. I'm not good with numbers. Okay, how long have you been telling yourself that message? Where did that message come from? Like, really write it down. What do you believe about money? What did you see? Look at both your um, maternal and paternal uh, influences in that or lack of influences in that. What did you learn from your parents about money? For your example, right? Your mom was like, she's assuming everybody else is in debt. You guys aren't. So you're in a better situation, but you know, look at everybody else. Like you don't know what they're spending. And, you know, instead of just identifying the situation or maybe the, the real crisis that you guys were in, obviously that was real. Um, so what is the money story? Write that down. 
who, what did you learn from your parents about money, your mom and your dad? Um, write down what you remember about the behaviors or the stories when you were a kid. Write that down. What is the message? You have to identify it first. What is that thing I keep telling myself? I'm not good with numbers. We're going to use that as an example. I'm not good with numbers. Okay. So what's the message? Now you have to be able to shift it. Is this true? Is the next thing you should ask. That's the I in the mix shift method. Is this message true? Is it valid? Is it true that you're not good with numbers? I mean, you're running a business. You're, you're literally buying inventory, paying bills all the time. Are you really not good with numbers? Nine times out of 10, it's probably going to be no. The answer is like, no, I'm actually good with numbers, right? So is it true? No, this message that I'm telling myself is not true. Okay, the X in the mix shift message is to rewrite that story. Cross it out. What If it is not true, what would you rather be telling yourself? You know, I'm actually pretty good with numbers. And if I could dedicate some more time to learning more about finances, more about um, investing, more about managing this resource, if I can continually learn that, I'm going to grow in my confidence every day. That's the message I want to tell myself, you know, maybe for your mom, your mom's message was, oh, people who have money are probably in debt, right? That was probably passed down from her generation, right? We're, we're literally breaking generational money curses. But um, so maybe that's her belief was um, people who have money probably are in debt for it. Is it true? No, absolutely. It's not true because some people, yes, spend money that they don't have, but other people don't. And you don't know their situation. The truth is, I like, what, what would you rather be telling yourself? I don't know what other people's situations are, but I can become better with money. I can grow my income. I can take care of my son. I am equipped and skilled enough to do this and to get us into a better financial situation. I can figure it out, right? Like what's that girl? Um, everything's figure outable. Marie Forley. Forley. Yeah. Um, you know, like I can figure out I'm capable of figuring out other people have done this before me. People have gone from rags to riches. Like we hear that all the time from someone coming from a third world country, coming to America, starting a business, becoming a billionaire, like someone else has figured it out. And I am capable of that too. You know, what's the message that we're telling ourselves? Well, debt is bad. Debt is bad. That's the message we hear all the time too. Debt is bad and wrong. And you shouldn't be in it. You should avoid it at all costs. Is that true? Well, you have to ask yourself, are you completely spending money that you don't have and your behaviors are just like, I'm going to go buy whatever, regardless of the fact that I actually am spending money I don't have? Or are you capable? I, I had a woman that I had to coach through this. Are you capable of, of having a credit card now that you, she was like, I got really bad credit card debt. I'd spent money I didn't have. I finally got out of it. I feel so much more relieved. Okay. Are you capable with what you know now and how far you've come, are you capable of having another credit card? Oh yeah, I am. Are you capable of being responsible again? Because the thing that the message that I keep hearing is that you're never going to be responsible and you're never going to learn from it again. So you just need to avoid it and never get a credit card again. Well, that's silly because credit cards can actually add a lot of benefits when used correctly to your life, such as free travel, free points. Like we save thousands of dollars every year using credit cards and we pay 0% credit card interest. That takes discipline, but it's possible. Who am I to tell you that you can't grow and are incapable, right? So can I use credit cards to my advantage after I've learned, you know, after I've gotten out of debt, after I've done this? Yes. <laughs> so what's the message that you would rather be telling yourself? Well, that I'm actually really a lot smarter than I was then. And I'm going to manage this and I'm going to get my, my 
I'm going to work towards building a trip for my family um, to Australia for free, getting getting flights. I'm going to work on that. And I'm capable of doing that without digging a, a debt hole I can't get out of. Gosh, that was great. And, and if you didn't catch in that, like you just outlined really the like to me, the framework in general for addressing any weakness, any false belief. Um, I, I learned from Alex Hormozzi this idea of like, well, one, I mean, we all know to be really careful with our words because our words carry so much power. But when we say that we aren't good at whatever, the reality is that sometimes our business is going to need that. And the things we're okay saying in business, but we would never say it like, I don't say like, well, I'm just not good at teaching people how to walk. Well, no, I needed to be able to be there for my kids as they learn to walk. I'm not good at being patient and whatever. I'm an impatient person. Well, if I said that all the time to myself, that's going to show up in my relationship with my kids, but I have to learn how to be patient. It's the same thing with money or any of those false beliefs. And I mean, I could do talk forever just around that. So I want to circle on debt. Because I get this question all the time. Um, You know, I think Dave Ramsey has done a lot. Um, I appreciate the things he's done for a lot of people. But generally speaking, um, some of his teaching has, I think, really held people back from what they're able to do in their business. And there's this idea that getting into debt to grow your business is irresponsible or, you know, you're putting your family at risk. Like, For that retailer that is looking at getting a loan, whether it be for inventory or to redo their site or to open a second location, whatever those things might be, how do you help that person decide between like, is this just irresponsible because I'm not good with money, I should have the money before I spend it or being able to take that that loan on in order to grow? Well, I have a really interesting uh, uh, thought for you. First of all, something like Dave Ramsey teaches is cash for everything, right? No debt. But our, you cannot be debt-free. Our cash is a form of debt. If you pulled out a $20 bill right now, it would say that it's a federal note. Okay. So our cash is debt owed back to the government. So like back to the Federal Reserve, we were off of the cash system years ago. So decades ago. Um, And so you can't actually be debt free. Our cash is a form of debt. Um, So and then the other thing I would say is debt is a tool. It is a tool that our society works on. It's how um, it's how we were able to get bailout for um, COVID. It's how our money works. It's how our systems work. It's how our bank works. So you can be someone who says, I'm only going to have all this cash in a bank. You know, uh, Dave Ramsey is famous for saying cash is king. I think there are a lot of people, a lot of millionaires, billionaires who would disagree with that because our cash right now with inflation over 8% is losing its value. So how do people use debt? Well, let me explain how people use debt in a bank. A bank is going to take your cash you're going to, yay, I have no debt. I have all this cash. I have $100,000 worth of cash in my bank. That's great. You know what your bank is going to do? They're going to go loan that cash. They're going to go loan that cash. Currently, that's why interest rates are growing. They're going to loan it for more than current inflation because they are in the world of making money. Um, Our government does the same thing. So they're going to take that cash. That's what they do with your income tax. They're going to take that cash that they get and they're going to go invest it so that they can make more. 
all the while your cash is actually losing money in inflation. Every single day you have that cash sitting in a bank, not making money. It is losing a rate at 8% per year right now. And it's growing. So, and you'll see that in the stock market too. People are losing a lot of market, a lot of money right now. So if you don't use debt, if you don't use and leverage this tool, how are you going to combat inflation? So for example, with your business, um, can you get a business loan? Can you guarantee, if you want to make a smart decision around that, can you guarantee that this business loan, you know, do you have projections on what this will do? Will, will it allow you to get more equipment, more staff to focus on income? I think that's the biggest injustice of focusing on debt is that it takes your attention from focusing on income potential. It's saying, it's saying that we only have this much money and there's a gap between your expenses and your income. Well, there's, there's so much more to life than just expenses of income, but okay. So we look at all the income in, coming in and all the expenses, and then you have a gap. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that gap is negative. Maybe you have more expenses going out than you have income. Well, it's saying, we'll just cut out your expenses, increase that gap, right? And then use that to snowball a bunch of other debt. What if you use that to go invest and make more than 8%? <laughs> what if you, you know, use that for a down payment on a loan that can get you a new employee income or a uh, new employee uh, inventory, equipment, things that are going to actually accelerate the, the gap of your income. Your, your gap of your income is going to increase so that you have more of that income. That's the thing I want to focus on is more of that income to put into investing. What happens when you take all this extra money and you put it towards the debt? Well, you feel good, right? Oh, I'm debt free. I feel great. And that might be what you need because that's the roadblock in your mind. That's your financial freedom roadblock. That might be what you need. I felt for the longest time that that's what I needed. I needed my student loan debt paid off or I couldn't function ever again. <laughs> well, what I realized is as I increased on my income and I actually went and got real estate loans, property loans and flipped houses that I was accelerating how much more income I could make to pay off my debt. So in what would have taken me 30 years, cutting out my coffee, you know, living below my means, living a miserable life, honestly, of like, you can't do anything until you're debt free. That's what we're told. Can't do anything, can't have any fun, nothing, can't go on trips, none of that. So um, can't do anything, live miserable for 30 years. And then when I have the money to pay off the debt, great. Then, you know, then I feel really good. Well, you know what? If I went and took my cash right now and I paid off that debt, nothing in my life would change. I'd have a little bit more income because I'm not paying that payment. But nothing would change. <laughs> now, what would happen if I, instead of paying off that debt, and there's a time and a place for that, you need to look at interest rates, you need to look at what your payment is, like you have to make good decisions whether or not it debt should be paid off or not. Um, I don't think every debt should be paid off. It depends on your situation. So if I take this money and I go and buy a property that's going to make me 80000 a year, how much quicker can I pay off my $120,000 student loan? I can pay that off in two years, which is exactly what I did. So I think that's the thing is like, I realized that other people were doing it differently, like that I don't have to wait this miserably. Like I don't have to cut out my coffee. I don't have to do this. And I'm not being frivolous with my spending, but I don't have to only focus on that small gap to roll over and eventually pay off my debt. I could focus on what can I increase? How can I leverage debt? How can I use the debt system? Banks using it, the government's using it. Why can't I use it? How do I leverage that debt system so that I can actually pay off that loan way faster than I could have if I was just having cash in envelopes and rolling over you know, the snowball method. Now, again, it's important to say like, 
you might be in a situation where your interest rate is 24%. If your interest rate is 24% and inflation is 8%, you're not in a very good situation. So paying off that debt is should be a focus. I don't think you have to sacrifice your entire life for it by cutting out a $5 coffee. It will take you years to pay off that debt. How about focusing on how you can increase the income? Can you sell something? Can you do a garage sale? Can you increase your income? Can you ask for a raise? Can you start a business? I mean, starting a business has never been like more inexpensive. You don't have to start with anything. You could have an Amazon shop. You don't have to start with anything to have an Etsy shop. You know, you could sell pictures of a product and not even have the products until you have your first order or the supplies to make the product. Like there's so many ways to make money in this day and age. Focus on that. Focus on the income generating um, aspects of your life that can actually make make that snowball happen faster versus cut out everything, get out of debt, and then live your life. I just, I'm not into that. I knew that there had to be a different way. There had to be a better way than what I was feeling and, and the guilt. I would literally cry in the Starbucks line being like, I'm not supposed to be here. If I was responsible, I wouldn't be here. I had the money to buy the coffee. I wasn't putting the coffee on a credit card. I had the money to buy the coffee and I was still feeling guilty. Guess what? I paid 80,000 off my student loan and I still felt guilty. Why? Because I was still believing my money story. I was still believing that having this debt made me a bad person. <laughs> like that's ridiculous. And you know what I do now? Now, sometimes I will, I will go up to the Starbucks line and I'll say, hey, I'd like to buy a $100 gift card and buy everybody behind me for the rest of the day or however long that will get them coffee. And the reason why I do that is I want to pay it forward. I know there's someone in that line feeling guilty, feeling bad, feeling like I don't need this coffee, but I want it. There's someone else that felt like me and I just want to bless them that day. Mm -hmm. And like that means more to me now than anything. And you know what? It's just $100. Now, $100 back when I was broke was everything to me everything to me. I remember crying when I wanted a, a thing of nail polish. It was called, uh, it was called cake batter. And it was the shiny nail polish. All my friends were getting it. It was $14 for a bottle of nail polish. And I remember being like, I can't afford this. Like that sucks. I don't want people to live there for the rest of your life. And the thing that shifted more than anything we did in our life was one day we decided we had to change our mind. We had to change our poor mindset into abundance and everything will change from there. That is literally what we had to do. It started with rich dad, poor dad. Everybody talks about reading that book, Think and Grow Rich. Everybody talks, anybody who's anybody reads these books. It will change your mind. If you change your mind, as Tony Robbins would say, as you change, if you change your mind, you change your life. Rewrite your story and you get a new one. You can rewrite, like change your story, change your life. That is it. Um, so I think when it comes to debt, you have to change your story around debt. Um, you have to learn how this tool works in our society and leverage that tool to your advantage. That's why we call it, um, my husband and I, we call it the debt advantage. We, we say that because it's so polar opposite of what you believe around debt. What a debt can be an advantage? Yes, the right debt can absolutely be an advantage. If you get a debt, if you get a loan for your business and you can increase your your income two, three, you know, times, that is good debt. That is good leverage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Gosh, honestly, I could like just end on that. Um, <laughs> I, gosh, the amount of times in my life where I've said, um, you know, where I didn't realize, like, I thought my problem was always an expense problem and realizing that it wasn't that I had an income issue. 
And the, there are seasons and honestly still like there are days where I like randomly freak out and I'll log into QuickBooks and I'll start checking all the expenses I could cut. And when I'm in that mindset, it almost always follows a season of, um, uh, of, you know, being down month over month, year over year. But when I get in this mindset of like, there's plenty of money, do I have it yet? No, but there's plenty of money to be had and I can go and find and solve that um, income issue. And really like not to be like super anti Dave Ramsey on this, but I'm not a fan if you haven't gathered. I'll, I'll be the anti-Dave Ramsey for you. <laughs> Fine. I always tell people if you if you're into David Bach and um, you know, Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman, they're giving you the same message. I'm probably not your person and that's fine. I'm not going to be for everyone, but I am for the woman who right now, not just women, but people, right? But I really have a heart for women and money. I'm for the woman right now who's listening to this, feeling so overwhelmed, feeling so much guilt and shame around what she spends and how she spends it, that she has to cut tags and hide it from her husband or have a different credit card that he doesn't see or feels like she can't go buy something. Or then when she does have money, she buys a bunch of stuff because when she was a kid, she couldn't afford it. And she just doesn't know how to get out of this cycle. That's who I'm for because I was that girl. I was that girl and I knew there had to be a better way. There is a better way. I'm telling you, like, you don't need to be a financial advisor. You don't need to go give your money to a financial advisor. You do not need to have these certifications around finances to become the financial expert of your life. In fact, no one should care more about your money than you, not your spouse, not your parents, not anybody, no one should care about more about your financial position and your business than yourself. So it's time to wake up. It's time to own it, rewrite that story and know that you can do this. You are capable. People talk about the wage gap, the gender gap, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm tired of living in victimhood of, well, if they would just pay us more, no, go create it, go make it. Did you know like the world, there's only 10% of uh, millionaires or billionaires I can't remember if it's a million or billion. There's only 10% that are women. Do I think that's because we're being oppressed by men? No, it's because we don't believe it. It's because we're, we keep believing that it's not about money. Even though I believe that more money in the hands of women will, will create more social justice change than anything else. And it's been studied. If we can get more money in the hands of women, the world will be a better place because we were wired for contribution. It wasn't just wired for competition. It's not just pride. It's not just being the best. We are wired for contribution. That's why we will give our shirt off our back when we don't have it. That's why when a little league little player comes into your store and you know that you can barely pay your rent and your employees, you're still going to sponsor them. We are wired for contribution. Now align that contribution heart, that generous heart with the confidence around your finances and you will change the world. That's it. That's my, that's my message to the women listening right now. I could literally cry. That's it. That is incredible, Janine. I, if you aren't encouraged, you probably just aren't listening. Um, so I hope that this episode honestly like leaves you excited, leaves you excited to um, dive into the things that you're telling yourself about money that, you know, we don't have to become a slave to, um, you know, Dave Ramsey talks a lot about being a slave to debt and getting out of that slave to debt, but in turn, it makes you just a slave to whatever your income is. And you, you're stuck with just that. And, and there's no idea of how can we elevate that? Um, and so, you know, if you are a, a female entrepreneur, 
Um, that's obviously who you're most passionate about. If they are like, oh my gosh, I have to learn more. Um, we will link some of this in the show notes, but how can people connect with you? What's the, what's the best way for someone to say, hey, Janine, I would love to learn more about everything you're doing. Honestly, sending me a DM on Instagram at Janine Mix. I'm a real person. I have real conversations every day with women about money, about their life, about their goals on Instagram. So if you want to connect with me on a human level, go DM me, but also come and check out my podcast. Um, I launched this year. It's called permission to launch. Um, the first five episodes will go over these money beliefs. We'll go over like what the, the, the indoctrination of what I believe and, and what we're working towards. And honestly, what God believes about money and breaking some of these biblical context too that tend to come up when it comes to money you know borrow is this borrower a borrower is a slave to the lender that's where dave ramsey gets that and if you actually learn the context <laughs> you realize that it doesn't apply to you um so uh that is a really good way to understand where I'm coming from and start getting a sense of like how, what you can do to change your financial position. I'll have more challenges. I usually do money challenges with women, um, usually for free. Um, so that's the best way to find out is on that podcast permission to launch, but yeah, just send me a DM, connect with me. Let me know your story. Let me know if this impacted you. Like that's it. If I can change one person's mind today about what they believe around money and it changes their life and their their trajectory of where they're headed, if they feel relief, the sense of relief, like no longer, you know, grasping so hard with your fist of this money, if you can release it, if you can release that, I have done my job here. And I would just love to know if this impacted with you. So those are the best ways to, to reach out. Awesome. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this. Um, as always, if you are not subscribed, if you could subscribe, and honestly, the most helpful thing, if you found this valuable, um, if you could leave a review, that's what helps other retailers find the show and hopefully get the same encouragement that you just got. Um, so thank you for listening. Janine, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And I just know that the way that you're serving and loving your retailers is incredible. It's inspiring. And I'm always happy to um, be a part of it in any way I can. All right. I'll see you soon. Before you go, I don't know if you're anything like the retailers that I talk to, but a lot feel like growing online sales is like running on a hamster wheel, uh, where you're running and you're running and you're running, but you're not gaining the traction that you'd hope. And yet some make it look really, really easy. And what is it about those people? Uh, well, after working with over 250 retailers to grow their online sales, I've put together the five key strategies of seven-figure retail, uh, all in a free on-demand training that as a listener of this show, I'd love to offer you. Uh, you can get access to this exclusive training at secretsofretail.com slash podcast. Again, that's secretsofretail.com slash podcast. See you there.